Hey, we are finishing up our series this morning uh, called Hang 10. And um, we've been going over uh, 10 qualities that disciples can hang on to. And just to remind you of what we've gone through so far, we've got a little graphic that they're about to throw up for us, um, I think. Yeah, there we go. They are awesome. Thank you, tech team. You guys are awesome. We have been encouraged to hang on to Jesus, hang on to love, hang on to serving, hang on to the Holy Spirit, hang on to God's word, hang on to purity, hang on to evangelism, hang on to community, hang on to generosity. And this morning we're going to finish up with hang on to purpose. Yay. Hey, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, and if it seems like I'm moving fast, it's because I am, because uh, they try to take 10 minutes of my time. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it back somewhere, but uh, I'm going to try to make up some of this time. Ephesians chapter 5, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, let me encourage you. It's always good to follow along in the Bible, whether you've got a paper Bible or you're using the one on your iPad or your phone. It's good just to be following along with us. If you don't have a Bible, Scripture is going to be right up here anyway. Hey, there was a group of, of tourists who um, got to see a demonstration of the royal artillery of the queen. They happened to be in London, and this demonstration was going on. It was a six-man team, and five of the men uh, went through each step of the, the artillery drill, but there was one man who stood about 25 feet away, and he was just standing at attention the whole time that they were going through the drill. Now, after the drill, one of the tourists went up to the, the sergeant from the unit and asked him what was the purpose of the man that stood off by himself, and the, the sergeant quickly replied, he is number six. Okay, thank you. Can you tell me the purpose of number six? He is to stand at attention. All right, you've told me who he is, you've told me how he's standing, but can you tell me why he's even there? It seems as if nobody had questioned why number six stood 25 yards away from the rest of the unit, and all he did the whole time was just stand at attention. Nobody in the unit knew why. Number six himself didn't know why. Even the commanding officer of the unit didn't know why. So they went back and they began to look through some, some old manuals to try to figure out why in the world number six was standing over there by himself. And what they found out, that number six, he did have a purpose. His purpose was to hold the horses when they drug the cannon out onto the battlefield. You see, in the 1800s, number six had a purpose. In the 2000s, Number six didn't have a purpose. It wasn't that number six was not willing to be useful to the British kingdom. He just didn't know what he was supposed to do. Which brings up the question, do we really know what we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom of God? It's not that you're unwilling, but so many people say, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. How can we find purpose? How can we live in purpose? In Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 
15. We're going to read first 15, 16, and 17. And we're going to take the, the points for our lesson right out of this little passage of Scripture. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Now, the contemporary English translation of verse 17 says, stop being stupid, find out what the Lord wants you to do. But since I thought it would be rude to call you stupid to your face, we'll stick with this other translation, all right? This morning, I want to give you three very simple things that you can do that will help you live in purpose. Three very simple things. And I once heard a, a, a preacher say one time that... Um, the Word of God is so simple and so easy to understand that it takes a good theologian to help you misunderstand it. You're in luck this morning. You don't have a good theologian, so we're going to stay simple, very simple. So, number one, to live with purpose, stop being foolish. Ephesians 5 tells us right there, we just read it, be careful how to live. Don't live like fools. Now, some of us have to be careful because it comes so naturally. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, in Psalms 14, verse 1, the scripture tells us only fools say in their heart, there is no God. Now, I know that most of you sitting in here, and I'm not going to throw this blanket over because we're all in a little bit different place in our, our journey, but for the most of you, I'm going to say, because you're in church, that you've probably not said in your heart that there is no God. But what we have to recognize, understand, and stop doing is stop saying we believe in God, but living like we don't believe in God. We need to stop telling God that we want to change while hanging on to our past. You see, there's this wonderful scripture that says, we have been made new creations in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. And I'm not trying to make light of anybody's past. I know there are people sitting here in this very room. You've, you've been abused. You've been misused. Things have happened in your life that should not happen to you. But if that becomes your identity and you're not identity identifying as that new creation, you're always going to be living over here in this pain and in this hurt, and you're going to have trouble getting over that. What we try to do is just add Jesus onto the backside of it when we should be adding Jesus on the front side of it. I'm not just an abused person who happens to be a Christian. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. These things happened to me. These things happened to me. But you know what? They're not going to identify me. They're not going to tell me who I am. You know what they are? They're a testimony so I can love on somebody else. What else do we need to stop doing? We need to stop asking God to forgive us while holding unforgiveness towards others. Look, anybody that tells you that forgiveness is easy, 
has never needed to forgive anybody, okay? I understand, once again, some of you have gone through some horrible things in your life, and forgiveness is a process. I may need to forgive somebody from here to the wall, but I only got about this much faith. But as long as we're moving towards God, Lord, I tell people this all the time, you just need to forgive as much as you can today. The best that you can today, you forgive and you let it go. Now you may have to do it again tomorrow and you may have to do it again the next day. I can't do it too much further, I'm gonna get out of the light and they're gonna be mad at me. But you gotta keep moving, keep moving, keep moving when those emotions stir up inside of you instead of falling back and just meditating on that and dwelling on that, you go, no, no, I'm gonna forgive this much more today. I'm gonna press towards it this much more today. We need to stop praying for God's blessing on our plans when we haven't even asked his opinion of them. God wants to lead. I know some of us just want to jump out there. I've seen people uh, say, hey, I'm going to marry this guy or this gal, and I'm just believing God's going to fix them. There have been some wonderful testimonies of that, but there's been some terrible tragedies because of that. Let's ask God. Let's get God's blessing on the front side. God, where do you want to lead me? All right. Put your seatbelts on. Stop saying you're living for God when you won't share your faith, you won't serve in the church, and you don't support the church financially. Yeah, it's a question on that one, right? All three of those are biblical. All three of those are biblical. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved, but you hear people, I'm just living for Jesus, I'm just living for Jesus, but nobody knows it but you. (laughs) Your life is not screaming, I'm living for Jesus. There are people serving this morning so you can sit in here. There are some of you, some, some of your kids are being ministered to this morning. They were removing obstacles so you could sit in here. And let me tell you, if, if, okay, <laughs> sorry, Somebody, somebody's making gestures at me and I don't really know what he wants me to do, but, <laughs> um, you totally threw me off, you big redneck nibble. <laughs> you just, man, I was about to get you so many people served, serving on the dream team, and then you messed me up. Oh, six kids. 66, okay, that, okay, thank you. There are 66 kids back there today. Sixty-six kids back there today. So do they need help? Yeah, there's somebody back there. They're serving so you can be sitting in here. If you're sitting in here and your kids are being ministered to, you better not be sitting there playing on your phone. You better be taking good opportunity to connect with Jesus. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. 
When we do these things, we're living like we don't believe. We say we believe, but we're living like we don't believe. We're being foolish and we need to stop it. You see, there is freedom in God's purpose for you. So stop being a prisoner to foolishness. Stop being a prisoner to foolishness. In November 1975, there were 75 convicts that had this wonderful idea that they were going to dig a tunnel with the hopes of coming up underneath the wall at Satillo Prison in northern Mexico. Now, after six months of digging, they were absolutely convinced that they had tunneled in the right direction, they had not tunneled too short to pop up still inside the wall, nor had they tunneled too far to come up too close to the, the, the village nearby and people would see them and, and alert the authorities. They were convinced they were headed in the right direction. They pop up through their tunnel, they break through the ground, and they pop up right in the nearby courthouse <laughs> where most of them had been convicted and sentenced and all the judges knew who these guys were and automatically sent them all back to prison. When we live foolishly, when we claim to be living for God, but the actions of our life say otherwise, sometimes we think we're headed in the right direction and we're really just headed back into bondage. So number two, to live with purpose. Once you stop being foolish, you need to start being wise. Back in our scripture. <laughs> Don't make fa uh, hand signals to me and then text me saying you're sorry. <laughs> it pops right up here on the screen. <laughs> I've got this much forgiveness for you. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter five tells us to live like those who are wise. Man, they already took 10 minutes of my time and now you're taking the rest of it. So how do we live like those who are wise? First, we have to seek for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. We've got to ask. This is one of these scriptures that, that I pray quite often. I ask the Lord. You see, um, Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom on how to rule Israel. And God said, you've asked the right question. You've asked for the right thing. And I pray this quite often. There's other, other scriptures that I pray asking for wisdom. In Ephesians chapter one, uh, in Paul's first prayer there, he said that I, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given to you as you know him, I pray, Lord, I want that spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you. Not just so I can go, hey, God, I know you. It's so I can know his ways. I know his purposes. I know the things that he will do. I want to know him. There's also 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul there quoting uh, 
An Old Testament scripture which says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, or even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. But the very next verse says, but the Spirit of God uh, reveals these things to us. I want that Spirit of God revealing things. So the scripture goes on to say that the Spirit searches the deep things of God and he will reveal them to us. And I pray these things. How do I know to pray these things? Well, it goes right into my next point. To be wise, you gotta know the word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. Let me just pull a few words out of there. I know there's, Paul can be wordy, but he's basically saying, be diligent, Work and know the word. Work to know the word. Be diligent to know the word. To accurately handle the word, we've got to know it. When we pray, some of the best prayers you're ever gonna pray are coming straight from scripture. Pray the word. You know what to pray when you're praying the word. You know how to pray according to God's will when you're praying the word. One year ago to this very day, I was laying in a hospital bed and I can remember telling one doctor, I'm walking out of this hospital and he's shaking his head going, mm, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, he, he actually said, we'll see, we'll see. He's like, no, we'll see. But in those quiet moments, I begin to pray the word. I begin to say, Lord, your word says Jesus carried my sicknesses. He bore my diseases. Lord, your word says that you named yourself the God that heals me. I begin to pray his word. I begin to remind him of his word. Now, if I had never put any of the word inside of me, I may have agreed with the doctor. So how do we know God's word even apart? How do we know God's will even apart from his word? To be wise, we can never lose our sense of reverence and awe for God. In Proverbs 1:7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord. Now, now, what he's talking about here is, is not a terror. It's not a horror movie. He's talking about reverential fear, being in absolute awe of who God is. You see, I've never stopped being in awe of who God is. I've never stopped being in awe of the God that changed me. Last night at the, at the outreach, I got to talking to a few people and let me, let me echo what Pastor Sam said. Thank you for everybody that came out there. We had such a wonderful team that was out there serving last night. You guys do a great job. It's, it's so easy to be proud of you when you're out there. Not saying we're not proud of you when you're in here. but uh, I just, as, as we were serving people, I just began to walk around and talk to some people. And I kept running into to, to some people that were out there to help. Now, if you've never been out there, the people that are out there to help and the people that are out there to get help, they look a lot alike. <laughs> so 
everybody lined up to, to start getting food. And there was this one gentleman that was just standing there and he looked a little bit angry, but he wasn't getting in line. And, and I was like, okay, what's his deal? Um, but I just really wanted to go up and talk to him. So as I got closer to him, I could see just all these tattoos all around his neck. And he kind of had this growling look on his face. And I just said, hey, are you, are you going to get in line to get some food? And he goes, oh, no, no. And he finally got a smile on his face. I think he, he must have been counting people or something. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I come out here every Saturday, and I just come to make sure that there's enough food. He said, Pastor John, who's the man that leads the, the uh, ministry down there, he said, most, most weeks, churches don't come out here and help. And he's buying all this food by himself. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm just out here to make sure that there's, there's enough food. And I said, that's great. And we just got to talking. And he told me, he got saved in prison. He's from California. He was in prison. He'd just gotten sentenced, put in prison. His brother was already there. And he was about to join the Mexican mafia in, while he was in prison when somebody came to the prison and just began to tell him about Jesus. And he got saved. And his brother was like, no, 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 stay away from that Jesus stuff. That'll get you killed in here. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. Stay away from that. But he pressed in and he followed after. And he said, I got paroled. He said, that was 15 years ago. My brother's still in prison. Well, you know what he does now? Besides working a full-time job every night, he goes to the jails. He said, I go right back to the place where I met Jesus. And I take the same message of Jesus that was given to me. I ran into another guy just talking to him. And I love to hear people's stories. And this guy, this guy told me, he's, I asked him why he comes out here to help. And he said, I come out here because I used to be this person. He said, for five years, I was homeless. I lived in, underneath a bridge in Dallas for five years. He said, I used to have a home. I used to have a family. He said, but addictions got a hold of me. And I found myself homeless without a family, without hope. And one Sunday morning, a pastor and his wife pulled up. And they said, you want to go to church? And he said, well, pastor, I'm drunk, and I, 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 I don't want to disrespect the church. Don't want to go to church with you this morning. He said, okay, I'll be back to pick you up next week. He said, all right, come next week. He pulled up. Guess what? He was drunk. Nine o'clock in the morning, he's already drunk. He said, pastor, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to go with you drunk. He said, all right, I'll be back next week. He pulled up next week. Before he even asked, the guy said, pastor, I'm drunk. I don't want to go to church with you. The pastor said, that's okay. I brought church to you. He said, let's have a Bible study. And he and his wife got out, and they had a Bible study with this man and a few other from the little tent village that was right there. And he said he was so impressed that, that this pastor, who he knew had to go to his church and preach that morning, would take the time to go out there with these homeless guys and just share the love of Jesus with them. He said, I promise you, I promise you next week, I promise you next week, I'm going to be sober, and I'm going to go with you. So he pulled up the next week. The guy got in the car. He said, I hadn't had a drink. I'm, I'm, I'm in the church just shaking because I hadn't had a drink. He said, I don't remember anything that was preached. I just knew there was enough love that I needed it. And when there was an altar call given asking for prayer, he went down and he got saved. The pastor told him, when he, when he drove him back out to where he was living, the pastor said, get your stuff. You're going home with me. And he said, no, pastor, I can't do that. He said, no, you're going home with me. 
And they put, the, put him on, on a couch in their house. And for the next three weeks, while this man went through the withdrawals of his addiction, he said, that pastor sat there and held my hand and prayed over me. And that, that pastor's wife would just read scripture and pray over me. And they were there for every second of the mess. He got discipled. Where do you think he went? Right back out to the people who needed him the most. He said, I've been doing this for 22 years, just ministering to the homeless because this is where I came from. Don't tell me God does not change lives. Don't try to tell me that God does not take the broken mess of our lives and turn it into something beautiful. Because he does it every day. Last but not least, our third opportunity. I'm sorry, our third. (laughs) To live with purpose, number three is look for opportunities. I'm making a mess of this this morning, aren't I? Back in Ephesians chapter five, it says, make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly. Again, Paul is saying, don't be foolish. See the opportunities that you have to follow Jesus. What opportunities do we have even this very day? You showed up for church, that's following Jesus. You know, Paul had to tell uh, the church even back when it was just kicking off, he said, don't act like these people that are already skipping church. He said, some people already have a habit of skipping church. Don't be like that. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. You showed up for church. You're following Jesus. Some of you have served. You've removed obstacles. This morning, we had ushers and greeters. You're sitting in here now, but you were working so other people could connect with Jesus. Some of you came this morning with an expectancy to worship and receive from the teaching. And some of you are hearing this ragtag, messed up message that I'm preaching, and you're recognizing some places in your life where you've been foolish. And this morning, you're going to turn it over to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to become wise. So look for those opportunities, find those moments. Find those moments. Find those moments to connect with God. We connect with God here in church, obviously. But find those moments outside of the church to connect with God. You can have worship at home. You can have a deliverance service at home. You can have prayer at home. Why don't you get filled up at home and come in and spill it out in here? Instead of coming just so dry that we, yeah, we all get dry, but a lot of times you come dry and we got to pump you up. Come on, you can do it. We're going to pump you like a, like a flat tire. We're going we're gonna to pump you up. It's going to be okay. Yeah, that, 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 that was a tire pump, okay? I know. <laughs> that's, that's probably too old for some of you. <laughs> so we can connect with God. Connect with him outside of here. Connect with him in your car. We spend a lot of time in our car, don't we? That's an opportunity. That's a moment. 
Find those moments. I used to spend my time in the car listening to political pundits. It just made me feel bad. I stopped listening to them by myself. It's like, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think the world is falling apart. And I don't care which side of the, of, of the aisle you're on. The Democrats blame the Republicans and the Republicans blame the Democrats. So whoever you're listening to, it's their fault and the world is falling apart because of them. So I stopped listening to that and I just started listening to sports radio. I knew more about sports, but I really wasn't taking the opportunity that I had. At the time, I was working downtown. I had a 25-minute drive. That's, that's a pretty good commute when, when you live in Tyler. 25 there, 25 back. It's 50 minutes. And I decided I was just going to worship. So instead of listening to, to uh, sports radio, I just started begin playing worship. And I'm just having worship time in my car. I was sad when I got to work and sad when I got home, not because I didn't want to see my beautiful wife, but the worship service was ending. Had a good time with the Lord. And then, then the Lord challenged me to take it even deeper. He said, well, turn off the worship. You're always complaining that you don't have enough time to pray. That's 25 minutes of uninterrupted prayer there and 25 minutes of uninterrupted prayer back. If everybody in here prayed for 50 minutes a day, we'd be changing Tyler. Amen. Not saying that you're not. So we want to connect with God. We also want to connect with others. Inside the church, yes. But let's connect with people outside of the church. I have determined that when I go to a restaurant, I'm going to have a conversation with the server. It doesn't always lead to, to, to an altar call, but I, ju I just want to, to start a conversation and see what the Lord will do. When, when you can find a, a, a checker at Walmart, talk to them too. <laughs> Lisa and I were going through this, this girl's line one time. And I'm just watching her as, as we're, we're getting closer. And she was absolutely miserable. She had her head down. She's not talking to anybody. She's just scanning and going, scanning and going. And we got up there, and I just decided we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Well, she had this bright pink hair. It was just begging to be talked about. I said, I like your hair. And she looked up at me. She goes, you do? I said, I do. She goes, my mom hates it. And I said, well, you know moms. I was pointing at Lisa. You know moms. I said, no, I like your hair. I can tell you're an individual, and that's the personality God gave you. Once again, I didn't go through the four spiritual laws. I didn't run through the Romans road. I just slid God in there. I don't have to be the one to do all the harvest, but I got it in there. God gave you a purpose. God gave you a personality, and that's why you, you're different. It's okay. Before we left, she had a big smile on her face. The people behind me should have been thanking me. So we connect with God, we connect with others, and then we create community. I have just given you the vision of New Covenant Church. We create community, and it takes work to create. So once again, we've got to work. We've got to do this. We've got to do this together. 
Our scripture this morning has told us that when we stop being foolish, when we start being wise, and we look for opportunities, we will begin to understand what the Lord wants us to do. I'll end with this story. Many years before Abraham Lincoln was uh, elected president, he was a shopkeeper in Salem, Illinois. He didn't own the shop, but he ran the shop. And in this store, it was like a general store, he had one of the most beautiful rifles that anybody in that part of the country had ever seen. It was just made out of the the best steel. The barrel was made out of the best steel. The stock was made out of this beautiful, beautiful walnut. It just had intricate carvings in it. And it was put up in the store, but it was priced really low. Right next to this beautiful This beautiful uh, rifle was a whole rack of just plain old Kentucky squirrel rifles. Nothing special about them, but they were all priced higher than this beautiful rifle. And a customer came in one day and he was looking for a rifle and he was confused. Why is this piece of art so low and this plain old squirrel rifle costs more? And Lincoln said, well, one's for show, one's for shooting. The one for show, it had a flaw in it. It won't shoot. It's just for looking at. These over here, these are for shooting. So the man bought one of the squirrel rifles. Not too long after that, another man came in who happened to be a wealthy farmer who was building a new house. And he wanted to put a very nice rifle over his mantle. Well, Lincoln had just what he needed. It was absolutely irrelevant to this farmer that that rifle wouldn't shoot because he never planned on shooting it. You see, both the fancy rifle and the old plain rifles, they they were created for the same purpose. But only one of them was going to fulfill their purpose. We've all been created for a purpose. We've all been created to be disciples and to make disciples. So we need to decide, am I going to live foolishly or am I going to live wise? Am I going to be a a, a disciple and a discipler? Or am I just going to be decoration. Y'all got quiet on that. This is what I want you to know this morning. God wants you to have purpose and direction. We find it when we stop being foolish and we stop acting like we don't trust God. The wisdom of God is available for the asking. But it takes work to handle it correctly. And the reverent fear of God is your foundation to live it out daily. 
And I want you to understand that God is setting up opportunities and moments for you all the time, everywhere. So what do I want you to do? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we've been living foolishly, where we've been living selfishly. Let's seek the wisdom that only comes from God. Let's dedicate ourselves to knowing God's word and knowing how to handle it correctly. Let's keep our spiritual eyes open for the opportunities he's providing us. Because when we do, we will know our purpose as we know him.